0: Hey and welcome back to the podcast At the start of the year I took my church through the letter to the Galatians Now this letter is short but it's full to the brim with content So enjoy as we grapple with how big Jesus is and how he changes everything On August the 24th 2003 something astronomical happened in our galaxy some of you weren't alive at that point, but quite a lot of us were. Something astronomical. Any ideas? August the 24th, 2003. Lethear was one that day. One that day, there you go. Astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> well, we lost a planet. The planet Pluto was demoted. No longer was Pluto to be referred to as a planet. Its identity had changed overnight to books needed reprinting. Children's mobiles needed updating. And pub quizzes gained a new fact. The woman who'd discovered the X planet, a lady called Patricia Tombo, had to t- stop telling people that she discovered a planet. You see, her identity had changed overnight too. No longer was she a planet discoverer. Now she was just a regular stargazer. A lady with a telescope. And for the Galatians, their lives have been changed by hearing... And believing the gospel. Remember we've been saying the gospel as we've gone through Galatians. And what might have seemed small on paper has had massive implications. As Paul will say to them, you are no longer slaves, you're free. You see their their identity had been changed overnight. And Paul's warning to them in this letter is... You're no longer slaves, so don't go back. We see that in verses eight to twenty. Now, do you remember your life before you came to Christ? Some people remember it really clearly, others not at all. But Paul points back in our passage this evening to the Galatians' previous lives before they knew God in verse eight. They were slaves. They were slaves to those who were not gods. But now they know God, or rather, as Paul says, they are known by God. That captures conversion, doesn't it? Once we were enslaved to false gods, once we were running after all sorts of idols and false gods, but then God set us free. God brought us into relationship with himself. We know God, and God knows us. Does that make your heart delight? To know that you know and are known by God. You're no longer slaves, you're free. Well, Paul's, Paul's warning the Galatians here that if they were to go back to the law, they'd be going back to those false gods that they used to follow. Or as he says in verse 9, they'd be turning back to those weak and miserable forces. Now, that must have been a shock the Galatians would have thought they were going above and beyond what Paul had originally taught them. But Paul is telling them that in reality they're turning back to weak and miserable forces. Why are they weak and miserable? Well, they can't give life and they can't deal with sin. You see, in some ways, the Galatians' previous experience is similar to the Jews under the law. Neither could give them life and neither could deal with their sin. Treating days, months, seasons, and years as special can't do anything more for you when you know God already. Not eating certain foods won't get you any higher up the ladder. God knows you already. You have a relationship with the maker of the universe. What more could you want? It does raise a question for us, though. Are we as worried as Paul when we see other Christians around us doing what they're trying to do here? When we see them trying to get closer to God than they already are in Christ? When tradition or mysticism starts to sneak in? When legalism and rules start to appear? To try and have a better standing before God than what Christ won for them? Well, Paul says it's serious, so we ought to too. But why does Paul care so much for this small church in modern day Turkey? Well, he tells us in chapter 4 that they're his friends. He tells us that they're his family. And he tells us that they're his children. We're going to see those things in verse 12 onwards. So, when Paul arrived in Galatia, he wasn't looking his best. I think that's a good summary of what he's saying there. In fact, in verse 14, he says that he was ill. And that was a trial to the Galatians. You see, he didn't come into their land all strong and impressive, but that didn't stop them from taking him in. That didn't stop the Galatians from caring for him. Actually, they treated him as if he was an angel of God. Do you see that? Or even Christ himself. They would sacrifice anything for him. They'd tear out their eyes for him. Could we honestly say we'd do that for a fellow believer? But if looking unimpressive didn't cause the Galatians' offence, well, the worry now is that telling them the truth might. Paul may have gone from being a friend to being an enemy. It's important to know that teaching truth may not always win you friends. It might not always be welcomed. But a good friend tells you the truth, don't they? Even if it hurts. Paul refers to the Galatians as family too. They're his brothers and sisters in verse 12. And the false teachers are trying to tear this family apart. Verse 17, what do the false teachers want? What they aim to do is to alienate the Galatians from Paul, to tear them away from him. You see, they're zealous for no good. They want the Galatians to have zeal for them, to gain personally from the Galatian church, to take advantage of them. The complete opposite of what family would do. And to take that family picture further, Paul says that the Galatian church are his children. Have a look at verse 19. Paul is like a mother to them. He's in the pains of childbirth, waiting for them to become mature enough, waiting for them to realise that Christ is all they need. You see, Paul loves and Paul cares for the Galatian church. And so Paul can give them the first command... The first imperative of this letter is there in verse 12. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me. Be loyal to the gospel, as Paul has already demonstrated he is in this letter. Understand the gospel, the gospel that Paul's been preaching, the gospel that says you're no longer slaves, but you're free. So be free. And in doing so, resist the false teachers. And those things are things that all Christians ought to be able to do, aren't they? All Christians should understand the gospel. It's a requisite, really, of being a Christian. And all Christians should be loyal to the gospel. You'd be foolish if you were not. All Christians should be examples that can be followed. And that means that we should focus on getting people settled and secure in Christ. We should constantly be pointing to Christ crucified and to the freedom that that brings us the freedom that says done rather than do you're no longer slaves you're free and that means that you have the inheritance too that's what's going on in 21 to 31 so to illustrate Paul's point here he carries on with the mother theme in fact he picks up the theme of who are the children of Abraham that we saw last week And he picks up the theme of slaves and sons, which we saw last week too, at the beginning of chapter 4. It's as if he's planned this letter. He knows what he's going to say. So verses 21 to 31 tell the tale of Abraham again. So to fill us in, what we saw on Wednesday at growth groups was that God promised descendants to Abraham and Sarah as numerous as the stars in the sky. But we know what Abraham and Sarah did. They decided they were going to try and help God out. They came up with the idea of having a child through Sarah's slave, Hagar, or according to the flesh, as Paul says in verse 23, and that resulted in Ishmael being born. But God kept his promise to Sarah and Abraham, and he gave them Isaac, the result of a divine promise, as it says here. And Paul's going to use this story, this picture, to show them that slavery comes from relying on the flesh. But freedom, the inheritance, comes through the promise. And to do this, he lays it out in four sets of twos. I don't know if you saw that. There's two mothers. There's two sets of children. There are two covenants. And there are two cities. And the way Paul lays this out is so that we can compare. So we can put them into columns. So that's what we're going to do. I have some columns on the screen here. Let's see if this helps us. Let's work our way through. So verse 24. Here we have two mothers, we have two women, Hagar and Sarah. And Paul says that these two represent two covenants. One from Mount Sinai. Well, we know that means the law, don't we? He doesn't say what the second one is, but from what he goes on to say, it's not very hard to guess. Remember, Paul is comparing the coming of Christ to being under the law. And he says that Hagar bears children who are to be slaves now here comes the shock verse 25 paul says hagar corresponds to hagar goes in the same column as the present city of jerusalem why does he say that well he says because she is in slavery with her children do you remember right back to the start of the letter Paul was doing his introduction and he talked about the present evil age. It's the same present here. But in comparison, we have the Jerusalem above. The Jerusalem that is free. And the children who are free. Those who've been rescued. That's the comparison Paul's making. Now that would have been a shock to the Galatians and to their false teachers. Surely the Jewish people are the descendants of Sarah... And the Gentiles are the descendants of Hagar. But that's not what Paul says. And he goes on to quote Isaiah 54 in verse 27. And Isaiah 54 comes straight after Isaiah 53. And we know that Isaiah 53 is talking of Christ crucified. So it's a natural place to go. And what Isaiah is saying is that the work of the suffering servant is going to lead to more children for the barren woman. Well, to put it plainly, as we now know, the work of Christ crucified is going to bring about more children for Sarah. And those children, like Isaac, are children of promise. Those children being the Galatians. Those children being us. Those children being anyone who puts their faith in Christ crucified. And just like Isaac was persecuted by Ishmael, well, Paul says the Galatians are being persecuted by those in the flesh too. Who's he talking about? It's the false teachers, isn't it? So just like the story of Abraham and Sarah, Paul quotes scripture again and says, get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. The inheritance comes through the promise. It doesn't come through the law. So stick with it, Paul says. And the Galatians know that to be true. We've seen that previously. And we know that's true too. So with that, Paul can close his case where we are in the book. He can close his case in verse 31. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. How do you think of yourself tonight? Do you realise that you are no longer slaves, but free? Do you realise that you know God and God knows you? What difference does that make to you? Well, I hope it makes more difference to your life than Pluto's demotion from being a planet. Because, you see, it's more astronomically bigger than that. After all, you don't just know something about the universe now. Instead, you know and are known by the king of the universe. I hope that brings you delight. I hope that helps you see your identity in Christ. Well, there's some things to chew on. Why not let me know what you think by sending an email, the details in the show notes. But Until next time, get on with praising God this week.